Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Friday Happy Hour, the show where we shoot the shit, have a few drinks, and talk about whatever's on our minds. And today I have the pleasure of sharing a couple beverages of choice with two of my favorite buddies. Dan Martin, host of the Next Gen Waterfronts podcast, joins me. And finally, face-to-face with Peter Ravella, uh, my... my co-host on the American Shoreline podcast, but also uh, publisher of Coastal News Today and otherwise just highly involved in everything we do. And today we're going to talk about this kind of weird moment we find ourselves in on the American Shoreline. Guys, uh, it seems like we are starting to open back up uh, after what was, what, six or seven weeks of lockdown. And uh, Dan went ahead and wrote a pretty awesome article that we ran on Coastal News Today. He published it directly onto LinkedIn. Go on LinkedIn, follow Dan Martin if you haven't done that already. That's a good follow. But uh, he kind of downloaded some of his thoughts about what we're in for here around the American shoreline, coastal states, coastal communities that are faced with this conundrum. How do we open back up? Do we open back up? And how do we strike this balance between keeping our residents safe and keeping our businesses and economy maybe uh, going a little bit? So, Dan, I'm going to turn this one over to you. Uh, What is on your mind this Friday happy hour? Oh, gosh, Um, uh, uh, a whole lot. And uh, one of one of the things in my mind is uh, is the thought that. Um, I think tourism for coastal states this year and for a lot of metro area, metro areas across the country is really going to be characterized by staycations and is going to be characterized by checking out local stuff, uh, principally outdoor stuff, um, for two basic reasons. One is cash. We all have less of it and, um, and not a whole lot of prospect for uh, some households actually getting much at all uh, with the unemployment rate soaring. And the uh, and the economy closing down to some extent. And then the other is COVID, and and you know what our response to COVID is. Um, I, I've posted a couple of pieces on um, on on LinkedIn about uh, how you would open a zoo because I have a zoo and botanic garden because I have some clients in that area, and also on health clubs because I have parks and rec clients and so other so forth. But but just that whole notion of how do you reopen? And 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 I think that whole reopening thing. Is, is is premature, at least I think so, but I understand why people might want to reopen because the lack of cash is a strong motivator for uh, all of us. Uh, and, uh, uh, and the government doesn't seem to have figured out a way to evenly um, supplement our incomes. Uh, Germany has, and Germany's in much better shape, uh, but Germany's done a really good job basically of where companies can't afford to pay somebody's salary, the government quietly steps in and, and, and does a does at least a big chunk of the balance or what's missing. Uh, so therefore, they're keeping their whole economy intact um, while uh, while they go through COVID, um, which is really interesting. Uh, but what what's real here is that a lot of people want to open and they want to get back to making money. And some of it is is motivated by money, but some of it is you know just because we have that spirit of wanting to get something done. The problem is, is that for, you know, some percentage, maybe 5% of the population, uh, they're going to still have to stay in their homes uh, because, because they're, they're, uh, they possibly, uh, they have a high risk of dying from uh, COVID. Actually, when I say 5%, 5% is probably the percent of the population that gets COVID that passes away, that loses their battle. Um, and the net percentage of the population that's in that category is, is is many times that because you don't really know uh, if 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 it would take you or not. It's not like our birth certificates have uh, expiration dates on them, um, and uh, so so I think you know there is an interesting conundrum there as to why all of society should shut down. Just for- I just want to point out for our audience if you're uh, following along in Friday Happy Hour, Dan. This is more of a dark whiskey. <laughs> Maybe a dark and stormy. This is a heavy Friday happy hour. We're talking about yeah. expiration dates it's on your cloudy. Pit. It's raining. It's foggy. It is. Yeah. It's a good it's, Irish well, whiskey it's, day. It's, well, yeah. I, well actually, Irish... where, where I'm sitting, I'm looking out the window, and it is and it is kind of a you know a blustery day. Uh, well, well, let, let's let's take a brighter turn. Um, you know, you know, Disney and Universal and uh, 
a lot of uh, coastal attractions are uh, now strategizing about how to uh, reopen. And uh, and for those that are within a driving distance of uh, of uh, you know metro areas where their you know visitors generally come from, um, then uh, they they may have a better summer uh, than uh, than they may think at oh. this point. Because Dan, let me need the coast. All right, let me ask you a question. So I read this in the paper about uh, local government officials uh, in Florida. Uh, who are trying to decide how to uh, handle the reopening decisions on their beaches. And there are a lot of beaches starting to reopen. Uh, Tyler and I's clients in uh, Charlotte County um, are reopening Manasota Key, and Sarasota County is reopening the beaches, or already have. Uh, but what I've read about in is the, the elected officials are starting to trend toward opening, but the business sector is in Florida not following the governor's advice necessarily or the local government elected official advice, but watching Disney to see what Disney does. Because everybody thinks if they're going to make the best decisions and if we do it the way Disney does it, we're going to be great. Have you come across that? Yeah, I'm actually talking to a couple of Florida um, senior management at a couple of Florida attractions tomorrow uh, to kind of talk with them about their opening plans. And and they are all looking at the big dogs, Disney and others. Um, there's kind of two reasons for that. One is is they would look to Disney uh, and probably Universal and SeaWorld and maybe Kennedy Space Center as as sort of a best practices case for them. In other words, how do those yeah. places handle and open it? The other reason is, and this is specific to Disney and Universal, is that Disney and Universal are the motivators. They are the magnets that draw people to Texas. Now, while in Texas, Florida. they may head, they may head east to Brevard County and Melbourne and Cocoa Beach, or they may head west to uh, to Tampa Bay, uh, uh, Naples, down further and stuff. But while when they what draws them to Florida in the first place, and you see it in the tourism and planements at Orlando's uh, airport and at Miami's airport and Tampa's airport, are the big dogs, uh, places like the magnets like Disney. So, so that, so they, if, if Disney does something, it means lots of people are coming. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's why they got, they got to kind of follow that. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, just as a straightforward, there's going to be visitors to come to our beach. If Disney's rocking and rolling, Universal's open, the Kennedy Space Center's open, the crowds are, are coming, supposedly. Um, what? Well, and what what Disney's doing right now is is trying to figure out. You know, I mean, there's lots of talk of them having uh, expectations of keeping the visitor loads down to about fifty percent of what might be normal, huh. and, um, and and having all sorts of other limitations in the parks. Um, you know, maybe loading every other uh, row of seats in um, uh, in some of their rides and stuff. <laughs> So, Social so distancing on the so Matterhorn. What do you got? You got to give a car back. Is that the, does that work? I mean, what? The, okay, I would like to no, see it, the it, log it, well, ride. What do you get? Like you got to go by yourself. The whole the whole thing about the log ride is splashing all the other people in the boat. That's kind of part of the deal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it, it, Disney. Who is wants to ride Splash Mountain alone? I know you don't want to do that by yourself. Very sad. Well, <laughs> well it, it, it would almost be pathetic to be, you know, in the lead car on a on a ride at Six Flags going down, um, going down the, yeah. you know, their roller coaster, and you're the only one screaming. Yeah, uh, you know, know, the fun is hearing everyone scream, and and of course not really believing that you are too uh but uh but no it's well i mean movie theaters i mean we have so many societal things now um movie theaters are now fighting with universal because they release trolls um the latest trolls movies straight to uh to on demand on tvs yeah and 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 son of a gun uh universal probably made more money that way than had they done a theatrical release well let me Uh, ask you because i'm feeling i'm not feeling too good about the movies like are you going tyler to a movie because it's ganky i'm just thinking that's not the place i'm going when i start to well yeah and i mean i guess i mean what, what we're talking about is that like why now why so the season has changed i mean these these are my observations here but like yeah clearly we're coming into summer and are the people around me i mean i can feel it uh around here in austin texas people are wanting to get out and be near water hang out outside and 
uh, let their hair down. And the social distancing that we did for the first, whatever it was, seven weeks or so of this pandemic was really quite effective. I mean, we were we we beat all of the curve trajectories of how bad it was going to be. So, you know, I think we can all give ourselves a pat on the back for that and also count ourselves lucky. But we are now starting to open up and it seems like we're doing it out of like angst and um, not necessarily out of any sort of new development with the virus. So, yeah, I would avoid a movie theater. Frankly, I I don't I don't want to be around people at all unless I feel like it's going to be a safe situation with people who are observing social distancing. Um, you know, that's just me. That's just me. I'm not, I'll tell you, Friday happy hour is great, but I'm going to be doing it in the backyard at my house for the foreseeable future. I'm not going to be sitting, believe me, I have, I want nothing else than to sit in a cool bar, cool dark bar and drink a beer or go to the draft house, Peter, here in Austin, the lovely draft house and sit out on the patio with everybody around. But it really takes the charm out of it when you think, boy, I could kill somebody today. I mean, it's good beer, though. I figure it's <laughs> really? life. You know, I, you know, I've got. <laughs> well, well, well you, you, I think you really hit on it in a sense when, you know, that that we've done it for seven weeks. And there was a turning point a few weeks ago when it suddenly hit us all, I think, because um, I posted something like this and it got a ton of responses. Uh, that it's with us. We're going to be living with COVID. Um, right. We're going to be living with COVID for as long as it takes to get a useful vaccine. And, uh, and, and, and everybody talks about that being a year or more. Now, um, there may be a little noise that it might be, you know, sooner, but by only a month or two. Nobody wants to live in their house or their apartment uh, for nine or ten months. Uh, or 11 months or 12 or maybe longer because we all know how long it took, for example, to get the, uh, the AIDS or the HIV AIDS vaccine. Everyone thought that was around the corner. And, you know, finally there were, there were steps towards one and, and we kind of have treatments now, but they're not necessarily 100%. So, so it's, so it's really an interesting, you know, point that we don't have an end point. And, and, and that, that, of course, will, and, and every, all the people that didn't want to shelter in place in the first place are saying, all right, you've had your seven or eight weeks. Now we want to get back to work. Yeah. The, but here's the catch. The catch is, the one, one of the catches sort of happened this weekend, and, and that is that uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but there, there's a medicine that we're getting good news on called Remvistir or Remvisidir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you, I don't know how you say it. Just came now, out this uh, week, the, the yeah, word they, this week. Now, now, that is actually, I believe, I could be wrong, I believe it's a repurposed Ebola uh, treatment. And, uh, and, and, and whoever had developed it in the first place, I think it was Gilead, right. uh, had, had, had basically said they thought this might work for here, too. And, and, um, and, and so they, they, the good news is that, that in about a third of all cases, um, it does sort of chip away at the time you spend in a hospital. It's not an average of 15 days if you go to that extreme. It, you know, cuts it back to 11. And for about a third of all cases, it helps. You know, it, it uh, okay. uh, little if, foothold. If, if, you know, for every 11 people that were going to die, only nine die if they're on this. So, so now that. But what's interesting about that is, is that that is like chipping away. In other words, we're starting to develop a toolbox with medicines in it right. that, um, that, that might actually cumulatively help us get to where we're going, but not all the way. Yeah. There's, another, there's another medicine that's been tested that, uh, um, that specifically addresses the chaos that happens in, in, in one's lungs when the they're cytostorm. in the very long stage of uh, I, I, what do you think it's called? I, it's, I think I, I, it's called a, a cytostorm, which is a reference to an overreaction of the immune system forming some sort of crystallization kind of structures that really, really cause a lot of harm. Right. I, 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 you are 100%. That's what it's called. And, and the, there are medicines that specifically address that. So if that is beginning to happen they can they can give you this medicine and it will be effective so so the problem is is what i'm talking about are incremental changes right and in, in in treatment protocols um and not vaccines 
that you know are generally perceived to be 100% effective. So, so that is actually a kind of a goal that we could keep things closed down for till we have you know a small arsenal of things. And it would appear that that mm. small arsenal could be taking shape in the next five or six months or even less. I mean, because uh, you, 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 the Remvisadir and, and the one that, uh, that hits the word that you could pronounce and I couldn't, Peter, uh, those things, um, those things, it's one thing to have them tested and working. It's another thing to have them distributed to every, you know, hospital in America. Well, uh, and Dan, Dan, I mean, these are, Yes, precisely right. These are uh, incremental uh, therapeutics and and ways to lessen, uh, to treat someone who has this thing and is suffering from it. But let's talk about the our society and our social treatment of the beach space. Because when we first went into lockdown, which was not super smooth initially, I mean, I remember when California went down, I saw a lot of social media posts about, you know, this dictator Gavin Newsom is shutting things down. That's, you know, overreach. And this was out in California. Uh, Florida didn't do, waited a long time. Texas waited a long time. Uh, many other states, uh, you know, a little out, slower, a little slower out west. They were pretty fast. <laughs> Southeast, pretty slow. But eventually we kind of got it. And initially they tried to keep beaches open. I mean, it was like, yeah, we're, we're locking down, but you can be on the beach. And then they had to change that because people were not practicing social distancing on the beach. And it was clear that this is not going, this is going to, uh, this is going to cut us off right at our knees. And so we needed to make some adjustments there. And uh, this was, by the way, happening at the same time where local communities, local beach communities were, uh, Lock, but trying to get tourists out. They were trying to keep the community uh, healthy and and uh, free of the virus. And there was a general, I think we can all agree, we lived through it. There was a real fear of COVID out there. And we, as I said earlier, we did the lockdown and um, we reached a point where people started to feel differently, even though the data, the actual uh what we're being told by the by the damn physicians by Fauci etc uh didn't necessarily suggest that there was a change but man society started to change i mean that part i think is clear and we're in this like weird fulcrum pivot moment where we are reopening the beaches we are moving i would say also incrementally but it seems like we're moving to open, reopen the economy way faster than yeah, the... Tomorrow, uh, well, Texas starts today. Uh, the governor has said, you know, we're open. He's overridden any local government restrictions on businesses. And uh, tomorrow, uh, well, today is the first day of the phase Texas opening. But yeah. So we're, well, we're, at, we're well, at a point well, where well, the beach... Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, no, I was going to say, let's, let's talk about what beach tourism is. So beach tourism is when you live near a beach, you go to the beach for all the wonderful reasons of, you know, it, it, it gives you that, that distance view if you live in an apartment or it gives you, you know, the salt sea air if, uh, if you're on the ocean. Um, all these wonderful things. And, and beaches are such a powerful thing, particularly, you know, with things like Myrtle Beach, which draws heavily from the Midwest. Virginia Beach, the same, and 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 of course the Florida beaches, um, they they draw these they, they draw tourists just like I was describing um, that that Disney does. Uh, a lot of families have a place that they go to. Like my wife's family for years has gone to Anna Maria Island off of Bradenton, Sarasota, uh, and you know we go back there, and that's a destination that we, we God knows we have enough T-shirts and stuff from there. So, so, you know, it's constantly in our life when we're in, in the middle of the winter, uh, Sarasota or Anna Marie Island t-shirt. Uh, it's sort of like, man, we got to go. So there is a sort of a, 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 almost a spiritual quality to wanting to go to the beach. Um, now, but can you go to the beach? If I wanted to go to Anna Maria Island and Sarasota, 
and my wife's got to be mad because I'm mentioning something and she thinks it's almost like a secret place. And now everyone's going to know about it. Uh, but, uh, uh, their their but, local tourism bureau does a good job of putting up ads all yeah, over the country. Yeah, I see, you, remember seen, I said It's a great one, place. It's, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll talk to them later. Uh, yeah, I wish I should have talked to Matt. Uh, yeah, but, but, but how do I get there? I get there by flying in this, in this metal tube with, with 120 other people or something. And, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm not 100% sure um, that, uh, that it's quite safe to fly in on an airplane, particularly when you find that some airlines have tested and discovered that, you know, uh, almost a thousand of their flight attendants have COVID. Uh, and, and, and while I appreciate that, that um, JetBlue is now putting masks on everybody, somehow that's like a double-edged sword. One, it reminds us of the risk. And the other thing is it, remind, it, it sort of gives us a, a Band-Aid. But the reality is that most Florida beaches you have to fly to from the Midwest, the Northeast, and other parts of the country. So if you can drive to a beach, it's a whole different story. So you're going to have, I think, the beaches more or less to yourself or at least sharing it with the locals. If you drive to the beach, hmm. you could, if you drive like from, you know, Chicago, I've, I've done this a few times, drove, driven down to Florida. Um, it, 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 you know, what you're going to have to think about is you're going to have to think through that trip. All right, where am I going to stop? Am I going to be able to get a hotel that's not going to be riven with COVID on the way? Right. Um, am I going to be, you know, pumping gas? Am I going to be pumping it with a Clorox wipe in my hand? Uh, you know, what, what, how do I physically yeah, get the risk of the without travel. getting COVID? Exactly. So, so that plus the coupling, that coupled with the fact that dollars aren't as present in people's lives as they used to be. Um, uh, and this isn't like a game show where you can just reach up into a, into a swirling uh, cloud of dollars and pull some down. Um, we don't have the money for a lot of this, or hmm. at least a lot of families don't. Right. So I, I think I think beach tourism is going to take a hit this year, regardless of whether it's you know safe to go to the beach or certainly change. Right, Dan, because what you're telling me is maybe instead of taking your family to Florida, maybe you're going to be going up to a lakeshore uh, in Minnesota that's yeah. within driving distance, and maybe it's a a, a more quaint town. It's not maybe doesn't draw the same crowds that you would see on a busy summer Florida beach. Uh, and you'd feel more comfortable with that. You have more control over, as you mentioned, your travel because you can stuff your family into your car and uh, don't have to stop. You don't. Maybe. Yeah, precisely. Drive I mean, it in a day. Totally. Within a one yeah, day's that's, drive. That's a, really, that's a really good point. This could be a big year for uh, uh, for, you know, the Midwestern states, you know, which have what I call the fourth coast of, you know, uh, uh, of, of, of the Great Lakes. I mean, you know, and, and what's interesting there, too, is that the Midwestern, all the, all the states that are on a Great Lake are all part of either this Midwestern compact or coalition of states or the East Coast co coalition of states, which are trying to coordinate to do something, you know, reasonable for opening the country up. So I, I think whatever guidelines they may come up with for beaches, um, you know, may be coordinated and that would make it an obvious, you know, uh, sort of level of safety that you can either accept. Well, or not. OK, let me let me toss in a, a, a little bit of a monkey wrench, because uh, on YouTube, the Bolivar Peninsula Real Talk uh, page, which is a local community on the Texas coast, Dan, you know it well. It's about 25 miles of beach, uh, pretty yep. unmanaged, uh, operated by this the is county. Galveston, right? In Galveston, in Galveston County. And uh, this weekend, uh, the videos from the beach are are wall-to-wall -wall cars, and it looks like uh, a big summer weekend already. And uh, so even though these are regional folks, they're local, they're driving, right? The density, the way people behave on the beach, and this is one of the things Gary Jones pointed out. Uh, Gary Jones is the uh, Chief Director of Operations for the L.A. County Beaches and who was on the local control pod uh, about a week or so ago, two weeks ago. He said, look, we, we opened it up <clears throat> with social distancing rules, as Tyler was saying, and nobody complies. I mean, when people go to the beach, it's get out the cooler, it's put down, get the beers, get the, you know, get your Jeep, get your, you know, and I don't know if it's safe. I mean, I, I, 
those types of beaches that what I don't know if these are par- you call them party beaches, but this is what people do at the beach. Uh, I don't know if the beach is going to be a very safe place, I mean, even any, if it's regional. Any look, uh, just last weekend, I was talking to my mom about the Ventura County beaches in California. Uh, Ventura County made the decision to open up active use only. They were saying you got a social distance. You should be wearing a mask. Uh, you have to keep it moving. If you're on the beach, you can be surfing, you can be biking, you can be walking, you can be running. You may not sit on a towel and lounge around trying to get rid of the drinking, kind of hanging out vibe. Yeah. yeah and yeah. by the way, they didn't open up parking. They they so you if you wanted to get there, you pretty much had to be a local or park in town and walk to the beach. Which again, you're not bringing your cooler, you're not bringing the umbrella and all the stuff if you're doing this. Well, How to work out. Well, people figured it out and they did it anyway and it was a disaster and the governor of california was all over cnn if you were watching cnn last weekend you saw pictures from california beaches that were packed slammed now la beaches were closed so all the la county folks either came up to ventura county or went down to san diego county to enjoy the beaches that were open and Boy, I mean, I do, I do think that the beach is just in our minds. It is this free zone yeah, yeah, that is just yeah. k- kind of ungovernable. People aren't going to wear a mask on the beach. You really have They're to. just not. You just I mean, have first to, of all, the tan line would be horrible. Could you imagine everybody walking around with half your face pale? I mean, the girl. The, I, I don't know. That could become the style signature of the summer because it's where the went to the beach. Right. The, uh, that could be the look. The new look is is tan lines on your face, right? Uh, but 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 you know, I th- I think you, you, you're right. It and I'm going to get to explore that issue this week with uh, well, I think next week with uh, with a guy who's a superintendent of a national park uh, on one of the Great Lakes, and he's got some 20 miles of beach, and uh, I'm 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 really curious to talk to him about how how are you going to open it, and you know, he's got a much more seasonal beach. Um, than, than the uh, California beaches, or at least Southern California beaches. Um, although it's been my experience that, that when I've gone out in December and the weather is beach weather, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the only person on a California beach. Um, uh, it's, it's mine and mine alone. Yeah. But, 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 there is, but there is another way to curate the beach experience, and it does, it does have a bit of a challenge to it. Okay. And, that is, and, and the way to curate the beach experience so it's a little safer is um, is a lot of our beaches, uh, whether we're talking, you know, the East Coast Myrtle or, or uh, even Jersey Shore uh, uh, beaches, uh, and certainly in Florida, there are resorts that are right on the beach, or at hmm. least hotels. And the resorts and the hotels or B&Bs, um, could be Airbnb, they generally are able to claim the, you know, first so many feet from their back door uh, to the edge of the water as theirs. So in those areas, you could, if you're confident about, yeah. you know, if you're COVID confident about the, the, the hotel or, or lodging, you could sort of still get to the beach that way and, you know, venture to the water and come back to your safe zone, you know, mm. whilst people are passing you. That's, so a good, that's a good prediction, but let's think of the implication of that. If, and yeah. if, if controlled entry through hotels, which is, this is very common in the Florida Panhandle, big issue, is the hotels you can't they don't want you walking in front of the hotel yet they have to have the hotel badge on yeah to be on their beach and it's a big issue this is a definitely a, a rob ruiz surf rider kind of issue in terms of public access to the shoreline now we have a safety overlay that's going to allow perhaps uh hotels to be more exclusive about the territory in front of their property and yep. say for safety reasons, nobody can transit through our visitor population. And I'll bet you 10 bucks this happens in Florida, that the hotels are going to say sanitized hotels, super clean rooms, everything's great. Our beach is not, there's no, there's no vermin walking through our beach area. That's what it's going to sound yeah. like. Yeah. I don't think that's a, this is going to well, be tough. Well, and, and the rest of the country and the rest of the country too is, is, um, uh, is, is you know where they may not go to the coast, and I know we're a coastal podcast, but you know Minnesota is the land of more than ten thousand lakes. Turns out there are more than ten thousand. Um, a lot of lake properties are do have exclusive use, 
uh, of a beach and huh. a freshwater beach. Um, so you're right. I think I think they're going to exert their rights and frankly promote the fact that we can give you yeah. access to a clean beach. Well, um, that... you know, in a way they haven't in the past. But it's going to be a hard message to communicate. It's going to be a hard message to communicate, Dan. It's also it doesn't immediately solve all. It doesn't actually solve the entire A through Z equation. Yeah, you might you might be able to lock your beach down, but uh, I, I don't know how anyone's staying in. I mean, unless unless they're they come up with an innovative cleaning method and you are social distancing throughout the entire hotel, and all of the bathrooms are getting UV cleaned or something because that obviously needs to be done. It's still, there's just, there's kinks everywhere. And this is like yeah. part of the problem with our, yeah. our, our infrastructures. We're just not designed for this. The other issue is substitute that hotel with a, uh, a strand of beach houses that say are commonly in the summer season, short-term rented for, you know, anywhere from a few days to a week. Uh, if you, it's not uncommon to have some full-time residents out there, people that are actually living out there. And they don't want to see Airbnbs come back. And I'll tell you, in Ventura, uh, these homeowners did a very good job for themselves in advocating to the local government to completely prohibit short-term renting. Did they? And it is still prohibited. And I suspect that it will be, you know... for the foreseeable future, because these full-time residents do not want wow. a party house next door active. They yeah. don't want kids running around, up and down, all around, chaos ensuing, perhaps carrying the virus. They're just not interested in having that kind of economic activity and people activity occurring near them. And that goes for not only the you know the beach residences, but also people who live and work in in town not on the beach but maybe they they work at the restaurant right. they work at the pharmacy they work at the thing you're putting you're bringing people in to the to a system that is already uh fearful and Stressed. that fear this the the fear is absolutely real and there is a to use the classic surf beach term there's localization happening people are saying get out of my beach town this is my town this is my beach to All play. Right, Dan, on. this is right up your alley. What well, do you think? Well, well there, there, there actually, there actually is a lot of that that, as you point out, has always gone on, um, and and what normally happens, and this is actually kind of going on in Naples, Florida, and a few uh, communities down there, where um, a lot of the locals are not happy, or we're not happy with, um, with the with the governor of Florida, sort of laissez-faire, you know, come on down, sort of attitude. Um, and what happens is we have layers of politics. So what you're going to find is that your local city councilors, maybe your mayors, um, maybe even some of your state reps will be angry about it and publicly angry. So they're on the evening news saying we can't have all these interlopers coming in and spreading, you know, germs, disease, infection. Uh, and, uh, 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 it, and it turns out we really can't ingest a disinfectant after all. So, so you're going to have those, you're going to have those folks. Uh, but you're also going to have um, literally at a higher level, like state senators, uh, governors and stuff, they're going to be the cooler heads that will, well, one would hope. But often well, let, let's, uh, let, but, 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 but they're going to be able to mandate certain stuff that is is is, is that they're because they're more beholden to the economic interest of the state. Right. So, so you got your you've got your, you know, sort of chattering class of politicians you know, given lip service to localization. But, you know, for a lot of states, the reality is going to be hmm. that the, the governor is going to want to move things ahead. All right. Because, let me, let know, me. I, I don't think they should, but uh, personally, but, but, you know, just, just assessing the situation, we have layers of political classes for reason. And that is, so some can be responsive and some can be. Well, you know, can, okay. Can now I, I, I want to comment on it because I think you're describing the response correctly, that the local official officials are going to be driven by different considerations than a state senator or a governor level that is looking at the overall economics. But to describe cooler heads or hotter heads, um, I think is not quite fair, because what it really deals with is who are your voters? 
And if you're a local elected official and you've got a string of out-of-town property owners, you understand the economics of that. But your voters or the people who are going to elect you are, are concerned about their health, especially in an elderly, older beach community. They don't want all the kids coming in right now. They're not there. So they're responding to their constituency. And as you get up the layer, up the layers further up to a statewide office or a state senator office, yeah, you're right, that the considerations and the constituency changes and they're responsive to the overall economic power of Airbnb and VRBO and all of that stuff. So I, I think that that's a natural inclination that, uh, or a natural difference of view that's really driven mostly by who the hell you need to make happy as an elected official. That's what I would say is the that's, difference. I, I think I think that's true, and and that is you know that's where you see Governor Abbott in Texas sort of bigfooting local uh, local desires or local interest, and right. that's where you see DeSantis sort of bigfooting bigfooting you know local concerns in in Florida too. So. I, 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 you know, and, and you know that actually has the sort of conundrum going where uh, you've got all these good corporate citizens like Disney and others who are trying to rationally format their way out of a situation, and they're kind of in a state of denial that is going to keep me from going to Florida this year, uh, yeah. you know, which is going to be the first year in, in many years. Uh, and, and so I, I think we we do have a kind of a a, a national. Uh, I don't know, just a, just this uneven response. Um, and, mm. and even if you are going to have a resort that still can be open, that has beachfront, um, if you believe yourself to be in that 80% of people, or maybe it's 75%, that even if you were to get COVID, that it wouldn't be a, a harsh thing for you. Um, if you believe that, then then you may still go to a hotel regardless of cleanliness huh. because you, because you don't you think well yeah. you know it'll be a cold and I'll get over it in a few days yeah. that's why you that's why you have these gatherings because people do feel particularly young people and you know I would guess young people with young children uh, may feel this way too because it's it's apparently you know only randomly picking off young people and only randomly picking off young children. They may say, "Well, the odds are pretty good," and and, and I just want to go. Yeah. So, you know, so we, we've got this kind of weird libertarianism running alongside of communitarianism in our society right now, hmm. and and the two isms um, are are going to be at war for for the next year. Wow. I want to talk about that conflict, and and I think we should, Tyler. We should. I want to just specifically discuss here how risk is understood and how it is responded to in in I can't wait in, in I'm gonna, society. I'm gonna slug back another whiskey. <laughs> we can talk about how let's we talk understand about, risk. Because this is the, the, these are I think we could let's let's uh stipulate to some facts. One, COVID is a highly transmittable virus. It moves quite easily. It's particulate, it's respiratory gets in the air, stays on surfaces, moves around easily. Hell, it crossed the globe in 60 days. It went from China to Alaska in 60 days. It this, this, this thing moves easily, number one. Number two, its lethality is significant but uneven. There are, as, t as you're saying, Dan, a lot of people can be exposed to it and get it and either have it and not know it or have a mild response to it physically and are not bedridden, there's no ventilators, they're not in the hospital, nothing's happening. But there is a percentage of people it will damn well kill. And it is, we, we understand the vulnerable population. Um, it is generally older, it is generally pre-existing conditions, but there are plenty of healthy people who've been killed uh, and we don't fully understand it. So if you, if you take that picture, most people it doesn't matter serious illness for maybe 10 to 15 percent maybe it's killing one to five percent those are still from a public health perspective in my view a that is a serious serious public health challenge those that combination of facts or you can argue the libertarian side of it and go you know what screw it i'm not going to get sick and i don't care and there's no reason for the damn economy to shut down and this is ridiculous and i'm getting the hell out and i'm going to the beach i mean that's that's what I'm hearing is this is the philosophical debate. And I'm not, you know, what the hell is the right way to break that down? 
you know. Well, uh, well, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ty. Well, I'm just reminded of my grandmother telling me stories of when she grew up with the polio uh, epidemic, and her parents had lived through the Spanish flu of of 1918, and they carried with them uh, into the. I guess this would have been the late 40s when the uh, polio epidemic was kind of impacting her she was she was grew up in pasadena and she had a big high school football game it, they played at the rose bowl wow. wow they played at the damn rose bowl <laughs> and she was so excited it was her high school this was like for the big game and her parents would not let her go and just think about that here we have the exact same conundrum yeah you have a major gathering of people People are doing it. They're going out. And yet this thing is out there. So this, the negotiate, and her parents were saying, no, you will not. We saw what this kind of behavior and lackadaisical approach did back in 1918 when it ravaged our generation. And we're going to protect you by keeping you in. And she was so furious at her. I mean, she. Tells, is she still mad or to this day? Is she saying, well, I guess it was the right choice? Uh, what's, she, how, did she, how did she tell uh, the story? She, she thinks it was the right choice. She does now in her... She, yeah, but I mean, she's she still remembers that she had yeah. big plans that night and she wanted to ride to the game with a boy in the car and yeah. the whole nine yards. So um, the point is that this is not entirely unusual. The the I think it, you know, from a certainly from a historical perspective, it's just that we live in an era where we move so much and we you, you, we understand what a virus is. I mean, our scientific understanding of what this is, albeit not perfect, is is a much more uh, complete picture than what they had certainly in 1918. Yeah. Uh, and I believe with polio as well. I mean, we, ha- we have electron microscopes and and ways of of really studying these things at the genetic level. I mean, th- this would yeah. have been unheard of in those days. Uh, so to, to think about going out to a public space like a ballpark and going having your child or a, a parent or someone you care about go out and be so cavalier and say, eh, hell, I just really want to go to the beach and have some beers and chill. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that feeling, but I also understand that in the back of your mind, right. you can't separate the reality of what we've experienced. And mm-hmm. I just... I just think that that's really powerful. I, so are you on the communitarian side of this? You think that those communitarian concerns, the the public health perspective is the sort of the side of the coin you would I'll tell you I'm you're on or I'm what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to play politics and take the middle ground. I think that what we what we did what's missing is a granular understanding of how to social distance better. We can just be better at social distancing in different types of places. Masks are one way, but also just practicing staying apart from people. And how do you park in a, you know, if you're in a parking lot and someone's right next to you, you get out, of you yeah, wait. you're splitting different. So you want people to be able to move around, but let's be more disciplined and more creative. Create a culture of, of social distancing that's right. good. That's not cr- like somehow we go, you cross that imaginary line at the beach and you go from like, this, this, which you currently, if you go to the grocery store, if you go to H-E-B, yeah. they have you, here in Texas, we have a great grocery store called H-E-B. I agree, they're great. Uh, so They've if, done a if great you go job. to H-E-B and you go in, they've got you spaced out. Little they stickers let, on the floor. They only let, you know, 20% of the, you know, store capacity in at a time. Things are moving and flowing. They're very deliberate. There's signs everywhere about keeping your hands clean. Don't pick items up and place them back. That kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Common sense stuff. It's very disciplined. Somehow you cross the imaginary line and you show up at a beach <laughs> and it's just chaos. What of happened? course, it's game on. We need some coastal culture here. We need some beach culture yeah, that says, little... hey, this is how you this is how you do this. There, there are ways to do this. Don't go to the beach. Bring your sunscreen and bring your hand sanitizer. You're going to need well, it. All right. So I get where you are. You're sort of in that. Well, all right. So, Dan, where are you well, on the? On... Yeah. Well, I, I would say let me, let me throw some fun facts into this, too. Right. And that is in a in a typical year. Um, only about 21% uh, of Americans go to the beach. So we're, we're actually looking at a relatively small portion of society that actually goes to the beach. The other, the other thing I would say that's kind of useful is to think about what's the composition of our society. And, 
And, you know, if you're, if you have, if, if you're looking at households with kids 18 or younger, and, uh, uh, that's, that's only about uh, 30% of all households, uh, about 65% of all households are one and two person households. So how do you behave if you're wow. a one person household? How do you behave if, if you're a two person household differently than if you're a family? Because I, and, 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 and I, I, I'm sort of cutting off of your comment, Tyler. Well, what do you do with kids and things like that is, 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 you know, we actually can have some idea as to what scale of population, you know, we're dealing with. And, and the reality right now in America is that half of all kids born in America um, are paid for by, by government um, uh, aid programs, which means half of all kids born in America are born into relatively economically disadvantaged households and are growing up that way. So a lot of them aren't going to go to the beach or the coast anyhow. Hmm. So, so, so in, in, for that particular case, in beach communities and everywhere else, it's kind of a local issue. Um, so I, I think those are sort of some, some, some ways to think about it. The other thing that sort of is, 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 is sort of intriguing me right now is why the hell are we so different? Yeah, we are. If, yeah, I mean, I mean, even Italy, which which is only marginally a country because there are so many. Hey, that's you know, my home but, country. Watch it. It was not a country. That Italy was not a country until the 1860s. People don't realize that Garibaldi pulled it together, and you know the north south split is really serious. But you're right; it's it marginally there, yeah. it's marginally uh, a country. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the southerners are pretty ticked off at the northerners right now. That's so, right. Yeah, uh, uh, so, well, they actually are all the time. So I guess that's no change. Uh, the uh, uh, but but no, e- even Italy, which you know has had you know uh, I don't know more more governments than any country that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, in, in that short amount of time, it's a land speed record. Um, even they are more together than we are disciplined as a, as a community as as a community and as a country and a country and, whose and culture a, is incredibly gregarious and engaging and yeah, you know this is I, a, an affront it, it, to the personhood of what italians do you are so right i mean everything that they've been doing now for a couple of months or how, how long it's been is so antithetical to 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 italian behavior uh you know while in italy anyhow and 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 uh you know community behavior so it's 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 crazy that they're so much more disciplined and together than we are it's Uh, the economic pressure man is this a new high or a new low in american exceptionalism let's talk about it because i I, i'm going to throw out what i think is the explanation for that difference and it is that the United States no longer has a trusted institutional framework to operate within. In other words, there's an incredibly strong independent streak in America that is even more exaggerated right now. Um, The protests that were at state capitals around the country in the last month indicates that, look, we don't trust the government. We don't trust the leadership. This is a conspiracy. This is all cooked up by Bill Gates. There's all of this sort of weird ideology that goes with, I think, is flourishing in the fact that our institutional, uh, our infrastructure is no longer trusted. And, and you know, we we don't have FDR and and World War Two to say, look, we're all going to get on the bandwagon and work together. That we don't have the the politics of that anymore. That's my theory. Is that a good theory? You think that sucks? Well, I, I don't think we have the same shared worldview anymore, and, and I think the ability in the U.S. to to gin up perspective or to make it look like something's a real issue is 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 way the possibility or the ability to do that is way higher than it's ever been because you're able to trace some of those demonstrations at state capitals to uh to actually one family uh in a lot of cases where where there are three or four siblings in one family um who are particularly focused on the second amendment right and 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 they somehow are able to get facebook and use other social media mechanisms to to gin up you know I don't know, 100, 200 people to drive their cars and honk, uh, drive their cars around state capitol buildings, uh, which, well, um, yeah. Is, so, so I think, I think we're, and, and because we're wall to wall coverage in a way that not every country is quite yet on what people are doing, uh, whether it makes sense to cover it or not, whether there's a lot of them or not, 
um, I think we just get a lot of coverage of that. I agree. I agree. Not. Yeah, I mean, I mean the better things to do with their time. Well, and and I mean, I think that, uh, boy, I've had several whiskeys. Uh, <laughs> This has been a heavy conversation. Yeah, and, and, I, and I started you off on a dark whiskey, too, so I'm sorry. Because yeah, yeah. Now, what's your take no, on this, Tyler? Why no, is it that the United States is responding? It appears, and I think this is a fair characterization, Dan May, that we seem to be reacting differently than other countries. I, what's your take? Well, my take is that I think that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the other side because that's what we do uh, on yeah. podcasts. Is yeah. I'm going to be Stephen A. Smith here to, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to say that, uh, you know, we did an amazing job social distancing for a period of time and something changed we're talking about it on this show. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I agree with Dan that these, these protests and, uh, by the way, there were protests in, uh, certain states with, you know, here in Texas, up yeah. in, up in I Illinois. And, I went down and, and checked it out while uh, it was happening. There were protests, uh, with, you know, and it kind of fits that description that Dan said, kind of a Second Amendment thing. Don't tread on me. You go to California, it's a bunch of surfers who are like, let me go to the beach, God damn it. This right. is my life. Protesting um, surfers have not, been arrested. They're not Second Amendment no. folks at all. So they're... Yeah. And, and I also agree that it probably is a handful of people. We, we have been pent up. The energy uh, around folks is, I can tell you, the vibe around America is a little tense. People have been pent up. Uh, and there's a lot of in- uncertainty about the future. And that creates, creates anxiety. And I think that we're behaving and a lot of our action wow. right now is just really quite impulsive. Um, wow. So... I just, I, I, I don't think that we're actually handling things. Um, I think we are handling things in a uniquely American way, which you might also say is a uniquely privileged way. We have a lot of money. We are accustomed to a lifestyle where we get to go out and consume and buy and spend and earn and, and sell yeah. and do all the stuff that we do in America and we kind of obsess about it. If you talk to other people from other countries and they talk about Americans, they're like, all you guys do is is worry about work and buying shit. <laughs> That's all you do. So uh, I you know yeah. and we've we've severely We're good cut at that. that off. Yeah. Seventy percent of the economy. But I'm gonna I'm gonna add I think that Tyler's on to something here that it hasn't been as bad as we're describing, Dan, because there has been a serious effort. And and I'm going to call everybody's attention. If you haven't done this, go to the website healthdata.org. Healthdata.org is the website of the University of Washington's modeling analysis of every state and country on COVID. And I think it's one of the if you're looking for a way to understand what's happening with COVID, you can listen to cable news or I, I try to go to the data. And I think this site is really great. And if you look at what they're what they're showing is that we are we are coming on the downside of the curve all over the place. They are predicting that the United States death rate is going to peak at around seventy two thousand and it's gonna flatten out here in June. Now the assumption of the model, and they're redoing it right now, is that social distancing remains in place. That, And here's what I think is the big issue for me. I do think we're coming on the backside. Uh, it, areas that are hard hit like New York and Jersey have a ways to go. There's going to be outbreaks here and there, but by and large, some of this stuff is gonna slow down as, and it can, can be the summer flu season kind of drop down. But what we're doing right now and what we're about to start doing is we're going to seed this damn virus into every crevice of American society over the course of the next three months as we lighten up. And you go to the beach and say, I'm only I'm, I'm in the 80 percent category. It really isn't going to affect me. All I'm going to be is a carrier. So I'm gonna, when I go see my grandmother, I'm going to give it to her. I think what's happening is and I think Fauci's starting to talk about this. Is the, is the recurrence in the fall and the intensity of that recurrence is going to be greater because Tyler is right. Americans are not going to abide by the shutdown. We're just not going to do it. 
And I think if I was recommending stock, I would say buy stock in American funeral companies right now, because in the fall, we are going to kill a bunch of people in this country. And I don't mean that in any sort of critical, you know, I mean, that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to hit huge numbers in the fall because this virus is going to find every crack and corner of the population and at a 5% death rate or a 3% death rate or a 1% death rate, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people are going to die from COVID. That's what I'm thinking. That If I'm procrastinating, that's right. I'm looking at that something like that. Well, I'll take, I'll take two of whatever's Peter's having because that. <laughs> are you thinking that's nuts? Well, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, look, there's I think there's just as much chance, if not an equal chance that we get slammed back, you know, slapped back into our social distancing regime in the next month or so, because there's another another outbreak emerges and we realize like, oh, crap, we can't open. Um, I also think that we're going to get smart and that uh, we're going to get better at conducting uh, commerce and our kind of economic activity as we already have. I mean, there's already been changes to our society, changes to the way we buy things, changes in the way we procure our groceries and our stuff. I'll tell you, you know, here here at the uh, the Buckingham household. DoorDash is looking great. DoorDash is looking great. Here at the Buckingham household, we get a package a day just about from uh, my girlfriend's birthdays coming up. I'm expecting her birthday present to arrive um, in via Amazon. And uh, I didn't have to go and go into a store and look around at all. I just went onto my computer. And of course, this was already happening pre-COVID, but during COVID, it's it, it's a necessity. It's very much better for me. Well, well um, that's, that's, actually, that's actually an interesting twist too, because you know we talk about heroes and every night we see the heroes in the healthcare profession um, you know, exalted and lifted up. Um, curiously, uh, the healthcare profession, by the way, uh, includes across all 24 uh, professions in the healthcare sector, about 17% of the people are immigrants. And among American doctors, 29% of American doctors are immigrants. And, but if you go to the, if you go to the DoorDash guys, the Amazon guys and stuff like that, um, we're actually, uh, we're actually looking at immigrant and, uh, and African-Americans, Hispanic, and other people of color, too. So, you know, it's the, who the heroes are um, in this particular crisis, um, I don't think we're quite as mindful of who they are and that ordinarily, you know, maybe about uh, a few months ago, we might have been slamming them uh, for one reason or another. And they have paid the price with so many communities of color having more deaths and more illness. So we're, we're kind of in a, in a social moment here where I think we need to sort of take stock with, uh, with what our societal attitudes are towards certain people and what sort of services we provide them. Um, uh, so I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's because I'm from um, a blue state. Well, thanks for, thanks for uh, saying that, Dan. I think that's important that we acknowledge all of the people who are uh, allowing the, the wheels to keep on turning here as things change this has been a long friday happy hour usually we try to keep them a little shorter uh we're coming up on an hour quite a few rounds uh have have been have been consumed here but uh it is a tradition on the show to do final thoughts dan i'll start with you do you have any a concluder a final thought for this friday happy hour no, I think I think we're um, I, I well two thoughts. One is is I want to go out and find that guy that told me may you live in interesting times and slug him. Uh, the 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 other thought I have too is is that uh, the model that I like uh, is the University of Texas's model, hmm. um, which uh, which is a really good one uh, at uh, news.utexas.edu, um, and uh, and it forecasts when states are likely to see peaks in COVID nineteen deaths. And uh, curiously, it is it is a much longer term model than Washington's, and that it pretty much says that most of us have actually not peaked, uh, and uh, and that we have uh, more time to work this out. So if this is coming in waves, just to use a coastal term, um, we're still in the middle of the first one, 
uh, we're going we're going down the pipe, and uh, we're still waiting for the second one that Peter referenced too. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be living with COVID. I think it's going to be another year of this, and um, and I think we'll be having a lot more difficult uh, decisions ahead. And uh, and may all listeners who are on this uh, who are listening to this may you all be healthy uh, at the end of this. But uh, but it's a uh, it's going to be I think at least a year before we get the vaccine. And uh, may they figure out which of the palliative therapies are good and should be widely distributed. Uh, may that happen as quickly as possible. Mm. Wow. Well said, Dan. And I will look at the University of Texas model. Say that word, how to get to it again. Uh, it was, uh, shoot, I've lost it, but it was, I think it was news.utexas.edu. And, and I think uh, I think you may have to search a bit when right. you get there. Slash COVID or whatnot. But okay. Well, you know, I think uh, along that line, there's it, this is sobering. I know we've been kind of a little jovial on this topic, and it's impossible to, to, to stay in that space. It's extraordinary. I mean, I think people, at least I feel like this is the most extraordinary event in my lifetime. It's historically significant. I think how we handle it is going to be debated and discussed in grad schools and in books uh, for many, many decades. This is a big deal. Um, I really doubt our capacity to to handle, to prevent this virus from maxing out. And, and I kind of agree with you, even though the University of Washington models are showing this peak and in in a downturn in this first wave. This is the first wave. This is now an endemic. Uh, and I think the language is it's a pandemic virus, but it is becoming endemic, which means that it becomes part of the microbial world we are going to live in forever. Uh, coronaviruses are notoriously uh, mutatable. Uh, there are multiple strains, they think, already. Uh, so this is not going to end. And I really think that the desire to wish it away, to focus on government power and whether the restrictions are justified is a mistake. The virus uh, is going to do what the virus does, regardless of political persuasion. And uh, I think we're in for a a big tr I think we're in, I, I think we are in for a, a big problem here that's uh, and we may eventually hopefully as you said Dan find we're going to beat this thing with horsepower the good old American way we're going to innovate something someone's going to invent something we're going to find a solution it's going to we're going to overpower it but we're going to lose a lot of people on the way and that's kind of what I that's kind of my take on where this thing goes I it's not it's not going to quit well, uh, sorry, <laughs> is that too much of a damn? I'll do my final thought. <laughs> that was a dark. That was well, that too, no, I don't know. No, 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 no. I mean, look, it's a lot of people have died, and it is dark. But uh, my my final thought is on the subject of uh, how what this can teach us about our relationship with the coast. And one thing that I am coming away with about the the first wave and how we're going to beat it. And uh, I'm reminded of coastal armoring. I'm reminded of our, after a big hurricane comes through and wipes clean uh, a community that we are very quick to rebuild it and try to get back. Um, and uh, sometimes we lack the long-term thinking about how to say, get away from the shoreline in our development, step away from that risk because that risk is actually really there and it's really quite expensive to be dancing with that devil. I like this comparison. And uh, as we confront COVID, which of course is occurring at such a fast rate, I mean, this is moving much faster than maybe climate change or sea level rise, not quite as fast as a hurricane, but if you think about it in terms of this broad sweeping movement across our culture, across our society, we are seeing the way that we try to be resilient. And one of the first ways that we try to be resilient is that we tuck the reality idea deep in the back recesses of our mind where we can kind of ignore it a little bit. And I think that that's what's, been, what's happened this past week is that psychologically, socio-psychologically, I guess, we have... Uh, decided at least that's the way it seems that we are going to put this thing in the back and kind of move forward unafraid 
and um, my only uh, point is that that is at, that the virus is still there in reality, just in the same way that global temperatures are rising and that our relationship with the shoreline is uh, problematic at times. It's and a force of risk. nature. It's a force of nature. And so uh, I think for all of us who work uh, on the coastline and think about coastlines a lot, there is a lesson to be learned here that we can apply to from COVID that we can apply to our uh, work. And it might be a little bit of a stretch at times because it's not, you know, it's a, it's a virus. Um, but I'm very interested in how our society is, is going to adapt and handle it. So with that, I think we'll wrap up. Uh, Dan and Peter, it's been, as always, a true pleasure, even when we're talking about dark things and slamming back whiskeys. It's always fun to talk to you guys. So thank you so much for being on Friday Happy Hour today. And I would encourage all of our listeners to have a wonderful Friday and a wonderful weekend. And be sure to tune in next week for another great packed week of content on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Have a good one.